0: The Holy Gospel according to Saint John, the seventh chapter. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive yet as the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for the Gospel Proclamation comes from the Gospel of St. John in the 7th chapter that I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for Pentecost weekend. We're living a gut it. We're back! I gotta tell you, there's no good way to say what we are all feeling together today. I'm back, we're back, I shall return. All have significant connotations. From rock stars to sports figures and historical icons, we have seen these phrases used again and again. I'm Back was used by rock stars such as Aerosmith and even ACDC. But Aerosmith used the phrase in a song to describe their numerous returns to establishments to engage in activities that were neither wholesome nor pleasing to God. You see, D.C. is less clear, but seems to lean in the direction of crass materialism and a penchant for violence. "We're back" it was used by the National Football League's Buffalo Bills from 1991 to 93. They lost four Super Bowls in a row, but before the last three, you could hear quarterback Jim Kelly's voice ring out after each AFC Championship game win, we're back! As if to say, you might not like seeing us again, but deal with it. We're back. And then there is, I shall return, said Douglas MacArthur, right after President Roosevelt ordered him to leave the island of Corregidor where he commanded the American and Philippine armies in the Pacific Theater of World War II. Out of harm's way in Melbourne, Australia, he issued his famous premise, I shall return. And he did. But not before. 90,000 under his command were captured by the Japanese, and only a third were alive when he finally did return to free the Philippines from the grip of their Japanese conquerors. I'm back, we're back, and I have returned, have not been the happy tone in the past that we celebrate today once again with each other. So it might not be the appropriate Pentecost theme for many that have these various historical, sporting, and cultural perspectives. We also must recognize that coming back for some was simply not an option today. It's still just too dangerous for people in high-risk categories, and we would never want them to feel less than a part of the group because they are not back. So we pray for our other family that shall not be forgotten and are still with us in part virtually. For some of us, coming back today was a letdown. Masks don our faces and hide the joy we otherwise may be feeling. Separation of chairs takes us back to the naughty seats of preschool. Communion and worship registration has the stink of regulation. And social distancing keeps us from hugging and trilling, embracing one another with the kiss of peace. Now, I think you all know me well enough to know I will not succumb to the notion that this is the new normal. It is not, nor will it ever be normal. The truth is, even together today, we are still not entirely back. Not until all our family is with us. Not unless all the masks are disposed of. Not before all the chairs are connected and we are communing and fellowshipping in the most ideal way possible. No, we are not back. We are hungering and thirsting for being back for real. As Jesus says in our lesson We are thirsting and hungering for our complete identity in Christ that may be in part now, but still not yet to the fullest. We are thirsting for that life-giving water only Jesus can give through the work and power of his Holy Spirit who moves through the saints of God gathered together in his name. While Online worship shares the gospel. It doesn't share the gentle hand on the shoulder or the smiles of peace and worship together. While emailed newsletters, bulletins, and printed sermons get the word out, it doesn't get the Holy Spirit gathering God's people together, seeing face-to-face the power of God's work in all of their lives. And while podcast sermons and YouTube videos let us hear and see God's word, it doesn't let us taste and smell God's presence in, with, and under the unleavened bread and fruit of the vine. Without everything on the banquet table that God has to offer, we will still be a little bit thirsty and a little bit hungry for the more we know God has to give. Take heart, Jesus says. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and let him drink. So look around. And Mike, so our online participants can see too. Would you please swivel the camera? Drink it in. Even though it's not everything we want, the creek is flowing through these dear brothers and sisters in Christ by the work and power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is a dam full of life-giving water just about ready to break. Many of our beloved Michiganders know exactly what that looks like today. Some of you may have seen the drone video footage of the Sanford and Edenville dams giving way under the pressure of a 500-year flooding rainstorm. Having lived in St. Louis, and seeing the magnificent thousand-year dams tower above me as I drove the streets of East St. Louis, I've seen the untold power of that rushing water when they give way. It is epic and unrelenting damage that decimates entire communities, crushes buildings into piles of rubble, and causes the lake that covered thousands of acres to evaporate in a matter of hours. It is undeniable and unstoppable power. There is no preparing for it and resisting it. There is only evacuating and fleeing it. When we go to Jesus to have our thirst quenched, he breaks the dam of sin in our hearts and drowns all the devil's plans for corrupting our communities of sinful self edification. He did this by breaking the very empire that crucified him on the cross and making it an empire dedicated to Christ and the proclamation of the gospel all around the world. He emptied the pharisaical lakes that gave rest to corrupt vacationers determined to ignore and despise the one true God. Then he irrigated the world with his blood shed on the cross for our iniquities, and quenched our deserts of debauchery. He did this by laying on the cross, where we deserve to be humiliated by the devil who would have said it to us. I'm back. Oh, Satan thought he could evaporate Jesus' love for us with enough pain, but... Lucifer only learned how the flood of Jesus' adoration toward us only increased once he was hanging on the tree. The evidence of the devil's schemes is all over the country with his attempts to keep us from worshiping together, but the evidence of the Holy Spirit countering his every move is in the same places where he hit us the hardest with the saints of God rising up and saying, No more! We will be together again. And we are. You can feel it in your guts. We are coming back. Pastors and parishioners alike are pushing politicians to get out of the way so we can do the work of the Lord. Safe, unchallenged, cloistered homes are no habitat for the Holy Spirit. Because he works like an unstoppable and undeniable wave of optimism, grace, forgiveness, and godly wisdom. And it's not happening because we're back, or because they're back, or even because of Jesus' imminent and absolute return. It's happening because the Holy Spirit is putting it right in the guts of God's children right now. A river of life flowing through the church because he will not let us down he will not let us surrender and we are drinking and feeding to live forever amen now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always amen